Hi guys, I'm Laura. And I'm Vanessa. And welcome to our second remotely corded from afar episode of A Tap on the Wrist. Yes, we are still self-quarantining here in New York City. I mean, I guess it's not really self-done. The whole city is being told to shelter in, but right. it's not like a hard lockdown. I know there are some cities and countries that are like, you're going to get a fine if you leave your house. We're not there, but it kind of feels like we are. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's definitely frowned upon to leave your home unless you have to. I have been home for nine days now I know you've been home for longer than that yes and I went for a walk the other day and people were in the park playing handball and playing basketball and I was I just wanted to yell at them because first off Queens is we have the most cases of any borough and we have the most in the city the most cases in the country and I'm just like Go home. <laughs> Stay away from people. I Which know. Like, we all know it sucks to have to stay inside all day and, like, not be able to go on with your life. But it's necessary. I know. It's been very rainy here um, this weekend. And I'm kind of glad because I think that has kept, you know, people at home more. Right. Than if it, if it were 70 and beautiful, the parks would be full. So at least when it's rainy, people are staying home more. Exactly. Hopefully it all works because I don't know that I can do six weeks of this. I know. <laughs> I've I've already repainted my entire living room. <laughs> uh, and based on photographs, it looks amazing. Yeah, I'm pretty proud of it. I guess now we're gonna have to post a picture of your wall because we okay. don't want people we can to feel it. left out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I, I guess for everyone who is self-quarantining or isolating or social distancing, whatever we're calling it, um, and who's listening to this episode, we get you, we understand. Yep. Yep. We are New Yorkers in small apartments. I know people that like live in Florida or somewhere else and they like have a pool in like a private pool in their backyard and like a barbecue and everything and they're like so hard being home and I'm like at least you have a pool I know it's hard like I'm literally stuck in this tiny apartment (laughs) yeah one bonus to all of this is some of these memes that have come out have been amazing oh my gosh yes I saw one the other day and it was like, hold up, I need to plan my weekend plans. Am I going to like Playa de Living Room or like like Karma de Bathroom or something? something I was dying. It's true. I know. You have to make strategic plans of what part of the apartment you want to spend a couple hours in so that it can change. Yeah. And I've seen so many memes about people changing from their daytime pajamas into their nighttime pajamas. (laughs) And a hundred percent true. I like will wear like leggings and a baggy t-shirt and then be like, I guess I should put on my pajama pants now. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely transition from daytime to nighttime pajamas every day. Uh, Man, (laughs) it's, it's crazy. And then just all this working from home. I mean, I guess people who have office jobs are maybe a little bit more used to it. I know there's a lot not great about working from home. 
days and days and days on end. Right. However, I am slowly dying because teachers are not made to be isolated. Like, no, I miss my kids. I miss laughing and joking with my coworkers and laughing and joking with my students. And even though there are really crappy days where I'm like, this is the worst job. Like deep down, I'm like, oh my God, I can't wait to go back to work. Cannot wait to go back to work. So (sighs) I definitely feel you. I feel you on the aspect of like, I miss joking around with my coworkers and like having, you know, people to hang out with and going to lunch with them. But um, I can imagine that, I mean, learning is so much better in person where you can like really involve, you know, the kids and everyone around you. I, I know it must be hard, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just only temporary. Yes. I just wish we had an end date and we don't, and that's okay because we're all going to get through it and it's going to be somewhat normal when it all ends. It's just kind of weird being in the middle of this like historical moment. And there's going to be a time where like, we are going to listen to podcasts that are going to talk about this moment in history. I know when we're like 60. Yeah. They'll be like 20 year olds podcasting. They had no idea. They didn't get to live through it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so wild. Well, on I know. a positive note, guys, guess what we're talking about today? I don't know why I said that like you were going to answer, but we're talking about drinking games. Yes. I thought we're all stuck at home. There's probably a lot more at home drinking happening. Uh-huh. And so, why not learn some ancient drinking games right and maybe make your drinking more fun exactly and you know once we're all out of lockdowns or quarantines or whatever you're in we can play these together yeah and if you're with your parents or your significant other you can play them right now with them yeah something to look forward to or something to keep you occupied right now yes Or something just to laugh at, because some of these games are ridiculous. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Um, We actually owe credit for this whole episode to Listiverse.com. Laura found a really awesome article through there that had a list of 10 drinking games. And those are the games we're going to be bringing you through. I actually... I had I had written down the name of the article. So like I said, from list first, it's called 10 Historical Drinking Games from Around the World by Radu Alexander. Uh, so definitely check out list first. They have I've actually used them for a few different things that we've done. Yeah, and I, I just they did so much research. I did do a little bit more research, but I they are definitely my main source of information today. Yeah, and it's the that we're going through the same order that they did on this list. Um, yeah, and but same, I did use a couple of other sources that I'll name through this, but it's a great great list. I think I also used them actually when we did ancient drinks. Mm. I used them for something, but yeah. And then, as always, you can follow along. We'll post some pictures of some of these different drinking games um, on our social. Yeah, it's a picture of my new living room wall and our games and our social media. We are on Twitter and Instagram at a tap on the wrist. And you can email us 
drinking games that you've invented or started playing in quarantine or outside of quarantine, you know, in the past, or any ideas for episodes. And that can be sent to tapontheristpodcast at gmail.com. Did you ever watch New Girl? I did, yeah. And they invented that drinking game, and I can't think of what it's called right now. Yes, they couldn't touch the floor, like the floor was yeah. Yeah. Yes. But I hope someone out there has invented a quarantine drinking game, and they tell us about it. I hope so. So the first game on the list is called The Wager Cup. And the Ooh. original name of the game is in German. So get ready for this. It's Jungfrauenbecher. That sounds legitimate. That sounds right, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, I mean, I don't think a German would say it better. <laughs> anyway, that translates into the Maiden's Cup. Um, obviously if the original name was German it was a German game and it started in the 16th century as a wedding game and I had to look up a picture of the cup because the description that I was reading really confused me so hopefully I can explain this well and of course there'll be the picture on Instagram so feel free to pull it up but basically the cup was specially made And when, like, placed upside down, it looked like a woman in a, like, full skirt or dress holding a pail or a bucket above their head. And the pail portion would, like, swivel around. It moved. And Uh when you held it the correct way, it would be like the woman was upside down, right, with the skirt part being the cup that you would drink out of. Okay. So, (laughs) according to Listverse, the groom would have to drink out of the skirt part without spilling the wine and then the bride would have to drink from the pale portion of it without spilling like both parts would be filled with wine however okay. another, another site I read whatculture.com said that the bride and groom had to drink out of their respective parts the skirt and the pale at the same time which seems way harder yeah. Two people drinking out of two portions of this cup at the same time. Anyway, the game eventually made its way to other countries like the Netherlands and England, where it became called Wager Cup. And the goal was to drink wine out of the main portion of the cup or the skirt and not spill any wine from the pail or bucket that swivels. So, like, you couldn't really, like, throw it back, right? Because then that other little portion filled with wine would spill. Right. So, if you succeeded from drinking then you would get to drink the rest of the wine that's in the pail. And then if you didn't, according to whatculture.com, they probably had to pay up a, like, a fine, right? It was like a wager. So if they mm. spill, then they'd have to pay. So okay. that's a wager cut. But, I mean, the cups are really pretty. Apparently they like made them, I think it was like through the 19th century or something, and you can still find them like on antique sites. But yeah, I, I googled it and I found one that's it's like very intricately like detailed and you can see like all the details of the woman's dress. Yeah, I, I it would be really difficult for two people to drink at the same time. I agree. So I don't know which one is correct, but then I feel like you know the groom drinking out, drinking out his top portion and then 
the wife drinking out of the bottom portion. I feel like it wouldn't be as hard. Although I guess I guess it would be harder for the groom to like not tilt it too much to have anything spill out of the bottom portion. But then the bride has the easy job. They just get to drink what's left. Right. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. Okay. My first drinking game that I'm going to share with you is called Katabas. And Katabas is a Greek game. It was developed um, during the 5th century BC. And it was used really with large groups of people, like bigger gatherings and parties. And basically what would happen is the, the players or the drinkers each had a cup. And this cup was called, I think it's called a Kylix. Yeah. K-Y-L-I-X. Definitely. And, yeah. <laughs> and this cup, it's more really, it almost looks like a bowl. It's kind of wider and shallow with double handles. Okay. So similar to like a bowl with two handles. Mm-hmm. And they would drink their wine. And at the bottom of the wine during this time, there'd be like sediment left. And so the game is played with the sediment of your wine. So after you're done consuming your wine, the player would hold one handle of the Kylex and kind of put it up over their head Mm -hmm. as if you were going to throw a baseball overhand and like fling the sediment of the wine at a target. And there (laughs) there are a couple of versions of this that I read so one would just be like kind of for shits and giggles people would just throw the sediment on people sounds messy and like sounds something messy. you shouldn't do right and then there are other there are two other versions that are more games one version involved setting up a target which would be like um, a figurine that was holding or balancing a small disc mm-hmm. and your goal was to throw your sediment And as you to try and knock off the disc and if the disc fell off, there would be a larger like plate underneath to catch it. And it would like ring, like the two discs hitting would cause like a a ringing sound or signaling like a win. How heavy is the sediment from wine? I don't, I mean, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I guess at the time the ring off. Yeah, I guess at the time they didn't strain the wine quite as finely as we strain it now. So there would be sediment in the bottom uh, of their of their dishes. Uh, The other version of the game, it's again all of these involve this same like holding one handle and flinging the kylix. But instead of aiming to bring down a small disc, the other version of the game involved having a bunch of saucers like floating in a pool of water Mm -hmm. and you would fling the wine sediment onto the saucers in an effort to make them sink. And like once if, and so like people would do this over and over, you know, there's, you know, 20 people drinking and everyone's flinging their wine sediment and the person who finally gets the saucer to sink wins. So it really must've been kind of heavy. I guess. Huh? 
Interesting. But yes, I mean, um, like you said, they probably didn't filter it. So I guess there's not as much of a way to play that today, huh? Well, no. And who wants to like throw wine across <laughs> the party? It does sound very messy. I definitely had to do some search because when I was first reading about it, I was like, they're just throwing wine. And then I realized they were throwing the sediment that was left in the bottom of their glass. But yeah. at first I was just like throwing, you know, like the last couple sips of their drink. And I was like, that just seems wasteful. But even if you're like the sediment, if you're thinking it was like a red wine, right? That's yeah, like, it's that's got every stains. <laughs> Agreed. So that's um, Kata Boss. I don't know that I would play that, but I like the idea of like having the floating saucers and like everyone trying to like make them sink. Yeah. I don't know how in today's, like I could almost see us doing it with like, you know, like the beer tabs. Oh, yeah, yeah. On like a can of beer or a beer bottle cap and like, everyone like tosses it into I'm envisioning like a frisbee floating in like a cooler and like the person who puts the beer cap and it finally sinks wins something like that I think you just invented a quarantine game (laughs) (laughs) so I feel like that's how we can relate it to modern day yeah okay so the next drinking game is called Sambel. Don't know if I'm saying that right. And while it actually seems like kind of a nice one, like a nice tradition, I don't recommend it in today's coronavirus-filled world. Okay. So, is there sharing of, of drinks? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it's a Nordic tradition, and it's not really a game per se, um, but we'll let it slide because it was on two drinking game lists that I saw. So I guess it, it counts. So it what it means is ale gathering. And like I'm like it's more of a ceremony or a ritual. So if you're going for authenticity and you're gonna try this post corona, you'd be drinking mead from a horn. But oh. wine or beer was sometimes used, and you could also Use a regular cup, but whatever was in the cup or horn had to have had to be boozy. It had to have alcohol. So basically what happens is everyone has to share a short toast. Then they take a swig of the drink and pass it on to the next person and so on and so on. So the reason that they would drink after the toast is because they were swallowing their words. And... Mm. It would typically be three rounds. The first would be a toast to the gods. So you do a toast to the god, drink, pass it on, next person, and so on. Then it would go back to you, and the second round would be dedicated to heroes from history or legends. Then it'd go okay. all the way around, it'd come back to you again, and the last one would be to ancestors or friends that had passed. So okay. do it three times. It's a lot of sharing spit. That's why I don't recommend it right now. Yeah. Um, and then some people who were feeling like a little bit more artistic might recite a poem or sing a song or tell a story instead of just doing a traditional toast. 
Okay. I like that. I mean, it's kind of a nice way to like do the three rounds, but you're right. We shouldn't share drinks. No. Um, and apparently one of these is featured in Beowulf. If you've ever read Beowulf. Okay. See one of these happening through literature, but yeah, I think it's nice to have like the idea of toasting to different things and going around the room, just maybe not passing your drink around. In, if yeah, you're gonna do everyone it, everyone can have their own drink and you yeah. just go around the circle. Everyone should It'll have their a- own horn full of mead. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> I mean. <laughs> After quarantine, we will buy horns and mead and have a party. <laughs> exactly. Uh, Okay, I feel like everything is before after quarantine. Yeah, <laughs> we, just, we just keep this is gonna be like such a big, like definitive moment in history for us. Right. Uh, okay, my next drinking game. It's interesting because I too would not consider this next one necessarily a game, uh, but it is. It's actually really, I would say, more of a lifestyle. And unlike some of the other games that we have and will continue to discuss, this game called Buffalo, it requires real life commitment. Because once you start playing Buffalo, life commitment, you play it for the rest of your life. Oh, God. That's intimidating. <laughs> Buffalo never ends. I, I don't so, know how I feel about that. Well, once I explain it, you won't be that worried about it. Um, So once you decide you want to start playing Buffalo and you are officially inducted into the Buffalo Club, uh, which is a very modern thing that continues to happen, but it's said to have originated like in the Wild West. So I like that it's a club. It is a club. Like the Sour Toe. It is. It's a little bit more secret society than club. Ooh. Uh, because the only way that you can be inducted into the Buffalo Club is to have a current member induct you. You just have to meet someone who's a member who inducts you and then you become a member. I like it. Yeah. So here's how the game works. It's very easy to follow. Members of the Buffalo Club must drink all alcoholic beverages with their non-dominant hand. Oh. Yes. Okay. I could do that for the rest of my life. If you are found violating the rule and someone shouts buffalo, you have to chug your whole drink. Well, I'm not great at chugging drinks, so I don't know that I could do this for the rest of my life, but (laughs) you're right. It actually doesn't sound, it's not like a terrible commitment. Right. And then it says, there was like a note about like, if you were drinking solo and you found yourself um, grabbing your beer or your drink with your dominant hand, a true Buffalo member would call Buffalo on himself and not break the code. I would definitely not do that. I would just be like, whoops. <laughs> and so, so I guess they I'll say, never make it. <laughs> and they say that the game, like the origins, you know, one rumor, the most popular is that it comes from the Wild West and that gunslingers at the time 
preferred doing all of their social activities, like drinking and playing cards with their non-dominant hand so that their dominant hand was always free to grab their gun. Makes sense. Makes sense. So that is the game Buffalo. And I mean, I, I don't know how you know if someone's in Buffalo, in the Buffalo club or not, but it is a real thing that still happens. And then I was thinking like, I'm sure that there are ways to adapt this to just modern party drinking games. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like, you know, when we play that game, like the ring of fire and like, there's like the rule, right? Like, Oh, the little man is on your shoulder. You have to take him off before you drink every time. Uh huh. So this could be like that. Like you have to only drink with your non-dominant hand. And if you don't, you have to chug your drink. You so have you have to drink with your non-dominant hand for the rest of quarantine everyone (laughs) yes we're calling buffalo club tap on the wrist style um (laughs) so people play it unofficially all the time but it is a real club that people take it very seriously but Mm -hmm. if you want to add it to your quarantine drinking i say find a fun rule for your family to follow i agree I think that's I think that's the fun one that can easily be applied. Agreed. All right. My next one, I have no idea how to pronounce. Uh, it's either Jiuling or Juling, I'm assuming. Uh, okay. Please correct me if I didn't say that correctly and you know how to say it, listeners. Uh, but I thought you were talking to me. I was like, how am I going to know how to say it? <laughs> I, you're a history teacher, Laura. I expect you to know everything. <laughs> um. Okay. So the game originated from China's Zhao Dynasty between 11th and 8th centuries BC. And it apparently actually started as a way to regulate people's drinking, but then became a game. So there are two variations. There's the common and the literary So the common variation was the more popular one because it was like the easier one to understand and for people to do, you know, like the commoners, hence Mm -hmm. common. And it reminds me a little bit of the Sunbell where people would like take turns. Uh, They wouldn't be passing a drink, but they would take turns like telling a story or a joke. Um, And then, or sometimes it would be like a contest instead of, like one person telling something so list first notes that popular contest to happen would be rolling dice or guessing fingers and to find a little bit more info on that i looked at travelchinaguide.com and here is their description of the rolling dice aspect dice are rolled and contestants have to guess the number of spots those who make an incorrect guess pay a forfeit by taking a cup of drink And then the guessing fingers game was described as two people stretch out fingers at the same time while shouting out a number from two to 20. If one shouts out a number that is equal to the total number of fingers extended, then he wins. While the person who shouts a number that's less will lose the game and have to take a drink as punishment. So it seems like- That sounds like a fun- Yeah. Game. It's like a combo of like drinks, but it goes from like person to person- and you can, like, do one of these contests or you can do, like, a joke or you can tell a story. Up to yeah. you. Okay. And then the literary version, which was more popular with the rich folks, uh, was basically the same. But they would, instead of 
doing like these silly contests and stuff. They would recite poems or give the guest a riddle. Uh, it was basically like a quote, like more intellectual take on the game, which I feel like the common game sounds more fun. Agreed. Like, I don't know that I need you to recite a poem at me, but I want to roll some dice or guess some fingers. That finger game just sounds fun. Like, I might ask my roommate to play it later. (laughs) 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 I just, it sounds like a fun guessing game to waste time, which is what we all need right now. Adoptable to quarantine, see? Yes. (laughs) This is the, the greatest list to do during quarantine. Look at all the ideas we've given people. Yes. Just don't share drinks. Just don't. Yes. Don't share drinks. Everyone drink their own drink. Yes. Okay. My turn? Yes. Okay. My next game is called Sconcing. And I was like, oh, that sounds fancy. I can't wait to hear what that's about. But it's not fancy. Um, My guess would be it involves scones, but I'm guessing not. (laughs) No, it does not involve scones. So sconcing, the term started at Oxford University in the 17th century. And basically it was used as like, it was a penalty when students had committed crimes or not followed um, like Oxford directions, they would be sconced or penalized. And then as time went over, you know, and I can, I can see it now, like, college kids being like oh you've been sconced like at a party right like when almost like a party foul yeah um so that's kind of it it kind of became less academic in nature and more common terms people started using the term being sconced um and it kind of meant as like a breach of etiquette but in party terms instead of paying a fine like many of the oxford students had to do when they were being sconced when commoners took over the term if you were caught being sconced you had to down a beer in one go there's lots of beer chugging in these games but yeah (laughs) um so or or neck a beer yes exactly um it's funny because there's another part of this game that i'm going to get to that has another connection to a past episode But, and so it kind of evolved in the Oxford area as, you know, if you were at a party and like an inappropriate like topic of uh, conversation came up, you could be stopped and you had to drink your beer. So that could be someone bringing up the topic of like religion or politics. Um, They even mentioned women as like a not appropriate like party discussion and at that time whoever was the most senior scholar at the table could impose this sconce or penalty and then Mm -hmm. the member would have to chug their beer or drink um so i thought that was kind of interesting nowadays sconcing is still happening in parts of the world but it's nowhere near as formal it's now much more of like a a party game a drinking party game um, what happens today is anyone at any time can kind of stand up and yell out a like a, a, a phrase such as 
I am sconcing anyone who has a significant other at the party. And then oh. if, if that's you, you have to drink. Um, okay. But you could do anything, right? Like I sconce anyone who has taken a shot of Jameson tonight, anyone who's wearing sneakers, anyone who has blonde hair, you know, like right. kind of targeting people a little bit if you want. And mm-hmm. there is one rule that applies though. If you are the sconcer, the person who's getting up and yelling this out at the party, if no one applies to your your penalty, right? It doesn't fit anyone at the party. Everyone else at the party is supposed to start yelling out the word shoe. And the person who made the declaration has to take off their shoe, fill it with beer and chug from it. Oh, that does link back to another episode. I know. So that was the episode we did about Chicago and the Everly sisters. Um, That's where that tradition comes from, the drinking from the shoe. And so I thought it was funny that it tied back in to this game. And I can't imagine being at any party where anyone would actually take off their shoe, fill it with beer and chug from it. Uh I just thought it was an interesting kind of like penalty on the person who makes the declaration if no one fits that declaration. I feel like you, like how hard is it to make a declaration that applies to no one especially if you're like looking at everyone maybe when you get real drunk you just start saying some weird shit right (laughs) and you like make a weird (laughs) declaration that doesn't apply to people right well like if i said something like i sconce anyone with a pet monkey and then it'd be like why would you say that (laughs) i I don't know i'm just saying (laughs) if i'm maybe drink a little too much I might make a weird declaration <laughs> it's kind of like never have I ever yeah that's so, true. but it's like whole group just yell it out in the whole group yeah okay am I on to mine you're on to yours all right the next one is also from ancient China it is called pitch pot It also has another name, but I'm just going to go with Pitch Pot. (laughs) And it was came about sometime during the Warring States period, which I'm not 100% familiar with. Um, And it also made its way to Japan and Korea and was known by uh, other names that I'm not going to say. And the English name of it is pretty descriptive of what it is pitch pot you're basically throwing or pitching an arrow at a pot so a person will stand typically the length of two and a half arrows away from the pot and throw the arrow in and apparently it's polite to refuse to throw the arrow the first time and the second time it's offered and then okay to accept to throw it on the third time it's offered to you so when a person scores by getting the arrow into the pot the person who they're playing against has to drink okay so we're both playing i score you drink you score one next i drink and so on until the game is over okay at the the end of the game both players have to kneel 
And the winner of, I guess, whoever gets the most arrows has to make the loser drink another cup of alcohol. So I feel like you get real wasted playing this game. You do. Like, how hard is it to throw an arrow into a pot? It looks not that hard. It does. Okay. Drinking. (laughs) Drinking. It sounds like a an ancient version of beer pong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're right. It does sound like an ancient version of beer pong. I guess also it depends on how narrow the pot is, right? Right. Like I'm right now thinking of like a wide open one, but if the neck is like thinner, I guess it's hard to get it in. Yeah. Um. But you're right. It totally sounds like an ancient version of beer pong. And apparently, I like I said, it, it made its way to Japan and Korea as well. And in Korea, it became very popular with royalty during the 12th century and was a game that women could play on, like, sports, like archery. So, you know, right. women got to do something and it was this drinking game. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> But, um, you know, I feel like it might be a little bit dangerous to do nowadays. I feel like you shouldn't play with arrows, but play beer pong. Yeah. <laughs> Except not not right now, because I feel like too, too many germs are involved in beer pong. Yeah. Yeah, don't play beer pong. Yeah, <laughs> I take that back. Don't play any games where your lips have to touch the cup that someone else's lips have touched. Yeah, or a ball that has been touched by people. Everything. And- and, yeah, and everything. <laughs> <laughs> I sometimes cringe when I think about like playing beer pong in college and like we would pick that ball up and like yeah we had a rinse cup but like that cup did not get off the germs and we would just throw it right on in cups of beer and then chug yeah. them so gross I know I mean, and like that like rinse cup would have like floating dust in it yeah by the end and you would still be oh god so gross those were the days okay so i have two games left i have one game that is my favorite game on the list and i have one game that i really don't like so which one would you like me to do next let's let's go with because your game is going to be the last one because I only have one more. So let's go with the one you don't like so that we okay. can end with a bang. Okay. So this game is my least favorite on my list. Um, and it's called Pazatella. Mm-hmm. And it just boggles my mind. I'm not sure why anyone would sign up to play it. Okay. But Sounds fun. it started in ancient Rome and it's lived in Italian culture for centuries. Uh, you need about five players. They say you can do it with four, but it's really better with five or more players. Okay. And the whole purpose of the game is they say to expose the inequality of life, which sounds like Deep okay. for a drinking game. Yeah. But then they also followed that up by the more players that are involved, the higher the chances of violence. And I was like, excuse me, what now? So I'm going to try and walk you through this game, but I don't recommend playing it. Okay. Okay. So before you can play Pazatella, you have to determine 
a player who's going to be the boss and a player who's going to be the underboss. And this was usually done by playing like a quick card game. And like the winner of that card game is the boss. And the second place person is the underboss. You can also choose a different way. Like you could rock, paper, scissors for it or however you just need a boss and like a second in command. Okay. Okay. Once you have the boss and the second in command, um, every player who's playing would put money into like a collective alcohol fund. Okay. So I'm imagining five people playing right now. And let's say we all put in $10. So there's $50 in the pot. The boss would go and buy like a tray of shots. Mm-hmm. Maybe you buy with that $50, you might get eight shots, whatever you get. Okay. okay. And they come back to the group the boss always gets to drink the first shot and then it's the underboss or the second in command gets to allocate the the remaining seven shots however they see fit um so they could give like all seven to one person if they wanted so they could right they're also in many versions a player is deemed the idiot of the round and they don't get any alcohol and they get to be kind of like the butt of all the jokes or humiliated. Oh, that's fun. Right. So basically how it works is like, if I'm a player and I'm not any of these predetermined categories and I want a shot, I would say, you know, underboss, can I have a shot? And then they could give me, they could just hand it to me if they wanted to, or they could give me a task to complete or, um, make me do something stupid to like the the person that is deemed the idiot whatever it is like the underboss mm-hmm. has all the power and like nothing bad can happen to the boss and I, it's just a very weird game that i don't understand and so what they said is that um it ends up in violence because there's people who like get really pissed off that they've put $10 in and then they get no alcohol, right? Because right, it's been unfairly given to other people who are playing the game. And then you eventually, it'll be like the next round and you play a new card game or new rock, paper, scissors and a new boss is picked. And a lot of times if you were kind of left out in a previous round, you might seek vengeance and as people get drunker, they take it more personal and it's like less of a game. It's kind of like names start getting called and violence starts to happen as people get more angry at one another for like the way they were treated round after round. This seems like a great way to end friendships. I know. I don't understand why anyone would be like, you know, what's a really fun way to pass some time. Pasatella. Um, and so it just... I mean, that's basically the gist of the game. There is no official ending. They just say, if you're the boss in any given round, you're most likely going to have the most alcohol of the round. And if you're the, you know, quote unquote, idiot player, you're going to get nothing that round um, and probably be forced to do silly things so that the other players can earn their drinks, right? So examples that I was reading, it was like, you know, uh, sing a song or do a dance or, you know, pants somebody or, 
like ridiculous things just to get the alcohol. And if you didn't do it, your shot would go to the boss. Like all of these very people playing this though. I can see people playing it, of course. I don't want to. But I don't know why you would. (laughs) Yeah. But so that is Pasatella. Comes from Italy. I don't recommend. (laughs) (laughs) Do not recommend. Okay. My last one is kind of cute. In some ways and not in others. And it's called Pennying. this one comes from the Brits and it apparently either started at Cambridge or Oxford both claim to be the originators so who knows but basically the point was that you had to be sneaky and get a penny into someone's drink that they had the face of the queen on them the pennies okay and the person whose drink it went into would have to basically chug or neck the drink in one go to save the drowning queen so like we're all sitting at a table and i like slip the penny into your drink and i'm like laura you gotta save the queen so you gotta like chug it down oh i kind of like this game it's cute right except that money's dirty but anyway well but we sanitize it (laughs) yeah So there are a couple of rules. So the first rule is that you can only participate in the game if you're also drinking. So you can't just like fuck over your friends who are drinking and be like, haha, I need to chug that, but you're like totally sober. You have to I appreciate that rule. Yes. Uh, you can't double penny someone. So if you if you want to be a dick and try to double penny someone by putting the penny in their drink for the second time, then or or you were just weren't paying attention and you didn't realize that they had been pennied already, then you have to be the one to chug your drink. Mm. So it's kind of nice because you never have to do it twice, right? Like right. You don't have, which would get you probably very wasted. It's just like it's like a one and done for the night. I'm uh, into this game. I want to bring this game back. Yeah. And sometimes to help like prevent that double penny from happening, like as like a, a, a nice thing to do, there's just like one penny that's at play within the group, within your group. It's like kind of a way to prevent double pennying. Okay. I, I'm not and mad at this game. No, it's cute. But um, according to Listverse, this is like the part that I was like, not as cute. Uh, apparently people started to feel that simply by attending Cambridge or Oxford that you were consenting to playing this game which is not true oh. and so without you even like realizing that you're playing this game or actively participating uh, someone could slip a penny into your drink and tell you that you had to chug it um, and like if you didn't do it then like people would ridicule you and bully you right over it and so apparently it caused the game to be like outlawed at some of the colleges at both Cambridge and Oxford uh since forcing people to drink was ruled a breach of conduct which is true it is a breach of conduct (laughs) yeah I mean I don't think Uh, it's as funny if you don't like know the person and they're not willingly playing right it's more fun to like 
make your friend chug their beer. Yeah, like to just know at some point in the, like, and you know, everyone be aware of it at some point in the night. You might get a penny in your drink and you're going to have to save the queen from drowning. Ours would be I like, think it's cute. save. I don't even know who's on our penny. Is it George Washington? No, he's on the $1 bill. It's Lincoln, isn't it? Lincoln on our penny. Oh, hold on. I'm going to Google this right now. I know. I'm Googling who is on the penny. Abraham Lincoln, you were right. Yes. Wow, that was a little bit embarrassing. I'm not going to cut it out, but I'm a little bit embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. So my last game, and this is my favorite because I love puzzles and like escape rooms and things where you have to like use some logic and thinking and that is exactly what this next game is all about so it's it started out as one name and then it it switches to a second name so the original game is called the fuddling cup and then as time goes on it switches to become puzzle jugs (laughs) so how the fuddling cup worked, it, this is this also comes from England. It is around the 17th century. And basically, it is three small cups that are connected. However, uh-huh. they're connected through hidden, like, holes and tubes in the ceramic. And you, as the drinker, have to figure out the correct order to drink from the cups because if you choose incorrectly, you could spill out your, let's say you're drinking wine, through like hidden holes you didn't know were there. So it's like a logic puzzle while drinking. I like it. Yes. And so that was really fun. Lots of people had them and owned them. Um, and they were quite simple. And as time grows, they become much more complex vessels and puzzles and they turn into these puzzle jugs which Mm -hmm. are also very popular in england and this is more in the 18th and 19th century um the puzzle jugs came into play and instead of just three small cups that were connected these were like intricate like clay pots that you would fill with wine and it has um all types of holes all around it and you have to as you're drinking figure out like which holes on the neck of the jug to plug with your fingers which spout to drink out of because if you use the wrong one much to the enjoyment of the friends you're with it would start to like spill out and all over you well that sounds messy but it still sounds fun it does um the puzzle jugs often were known to kind of be like you know, a fun game, but also a little bit taunting. And there was uh, one that I found that had an inscription on it that says, here, gentlemen, come try your skill. I'll hold a wager, if you will, that you don't drink this liquor all without your spill and let some let some fall. And so if you look up pictures of the puzzle jugs, they're quite intricate as well. And we'll post them Uh on our social media as well. So you can kind of visualize it, but I just like the idea of having to like solve this puzzle 
while yeah. trying to drink. Yeah, I kind of almost like the cups version better that are like all in the saucer and you have to like figure out the right way to drink them. Yeah. But the jug one sounds cool too. Um, well, when you look at the jugs, you're like, I don't understand how this would work. And that's pretty much how like you would have to like turn it and spin it and try and figure out which way I feel like you have it. to do this at the beginning of the night yeah <laughs> yeah as you get drunker I feel like this would be so difficult and real messy yeah do you want to talk about the other game I found <laughs> well well I didn't read about it too much except for what it's- you quickly sent me so do you want to talk about it I mean, it seems to be like a one, it only happened one time. I'm not sure why it was number one on this list, but the name really caught my attention. It was called The Bloody Buttocks. <laughs> and I don't, I don't really understand. Apparently, this uh, one night in 1650 in May, for some reason, people started to cut, like, slice their own butts and bleed into cups and toast with it. (laughs) And apparently it came to an end because someone cut their butt so badly that a surgeon had to be called because they were bleeding excessively. Um, It's just a weird game. I don't understand. Do not recommend. Actually, this is from that whatculture.com article that I read. And it ends by saying, please do not try this game at home. No one wants to see this particular drinking dare on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I agree. Definitely agree. Anyway, just wanted to throw that in because the name threw me so much that I was like, I feel like this needs to be mentioned. Yeah. I mean, I think that was a great list. Some really, I think so too. I mean, some games definitely can be played today. Some games, not so much. No. Are you going to, are you definitely going to try the finger game? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I'll let you know. I'll report like, back. Okay. Now that we've discussed some of these historical drinking games, we thought this week in our segment that is normally our bar of the week, but during isolation and quarantine, since we are not going to bars, we're not going to promote bars that might be shut down temporarily. Um, so we are going to bring you kind of ways that we are drinking through quarantine. So last mm-hmm. week we shared fun cocktails. And this week we wanted to tell you about a drinking game that we have played multiple times. Uh, and we think that you could also download it right now and play it with whoever you are quarantined with. Uh, I feel like or- you can also do it through video chat. I, like. I was just gonna say, or uh, like virtually play it. Yeah, it's. I think our friend who introduced us to it, Ashley. Shout out to Ashley. I think she said it was popular in Australia. Um, because yes, I had never it, heard of it until she brought it, it to our attention. Yes, it is an Australian game um, that she found when she went to visit friends in Australia, but. It is called Piccolo. And you can download it. it. It's an app. It's an app on your phone. You download it. It's Mm P-I-C-O-L-O. And basically, the game is really great because you put in 
everyone's name. So if it's you and your four friends playing, you put in everyone's name and you hit play and it brings up these prompts that you have to follow. And some of them are questions. Some of them are dares. Some of them are drinking rules. So like an example you used earlier in the episode, like taking the little man off your drink each time. I feel like that's a rule that's in Piccolo that I've seen. Wasn't there like you had to address everyone by like, like I had to be like, Miss Laura. Yeah. You know, you had to be like, Miss Vanessa or like Mr. Tim. (laughs) And then other times, but like right on the screen, it'll tell you who the question or action is for. Uh So it might be my round. I might be holding the phone, but it might say, Vanessa, choose a friend to take two sips of your drink with. And so like Vanessa gets to choose someone in the circle. Um, There are fun games like name movies that have animated cartoons. Right. And you go around the circle until someone freezes and they can't think of one and then they have to drink. Uh, But this isn't a chug your whole drink kind of thing. It's like take a sip of your drink each round. Right. Uh, You can get drunk if you play long enough. (laughs) Yes. And, you know, they're like Laura was saying, and then there's rules for the whole room, uh, like the Miss or Mr. One that I was saying, or um, I think there was one where we had to say everything like a question. um, Yeah. Or like someone had to say the time every five minutes or something. They had to shout out the time. Uh, yeah. Just a lot of like fun, cute rules. Yeah. I think it can just easily be done virtually if you're by yourself and you want to play with your friends. Uh, for or sure. With your quarantine mates. Yes. It's just really, it's a great group drinking game. A little bit modern because it's on your phone. So you don't really need anything. We meaning Vanessa and I and our friends have played it in my living room. We've played it in the middle of the bar. We've played it, you know, you can play it anywhere, which is why it's so convenient. So if you are quarantined, you can play it in your bathroom. You can play it in your kitchen. You can play it in your bedroom. Um, Anywhere in your house. Your backyard, if you have one and you're lucky. Play in your pool. Um, (laughs) Just stay home. Yeah. Stay home, please. Don't share drinks. No. And but this is a fun drinking game that I don't think is super popular in America, but it definitely should be. So pass it on. Play it. Tell your friends about it. Yeah. It's good. It's a good time. And send us drinking games, especially if they're ones that you feel like can be done, you know, via video chat or um in quarantine and you can send those to tap on the wrist podcast at gmail.com yes we learned the other day and this is not a drinking game but a very fun virtual game to play is mad libs oh yeah it is so get your friends you could be drinking while you play it Uh, you can always be drinking (laughs) but (laughs) get your four friends someone open up mad libs take turns filling in the blanks we had a lot of fun the other night playing mad libs virtually with our friends so highly recommend piccolo and mad libs yeah (laughs) for sure um and you know just try and stay sane I know it's hard but I think you know doing things like 
playing games with your friends virtually, you know, can make you feel a little bit less alone. So definitely check it out. And check out, I mean, if you are really, really looking for something to do, there are 27 episodes of a tap on the wrist podcast. Yep. If this is the first time, go back and listen to the rest. If you have already listened to them all, maybe find your favorite one and share it with a friend who is sitting in quarantine doing nothing else because that is the best way to support us is by word of mouth and telling someone that you know to listen to our podcast. So we would appreciate it. Yep. And I mean, it, it kills an hour, you know? <laughs> we have so, we yeah. so many hours in the day. <laughs> we have a whole day's worth of content right oh, yeah. now. We have more than a day worth. I know. So please make sure that you are, if you have Apple um, podcasts, that you are liking and subscribing and rating and reviewing and subscribing, all of the above. Just do it all. <laughs> do it all. Share it with Send us an email at uh, a, t- a tap on the wrist podcast at gmail.com. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, our username is at a tap on the wrist. I yes. don't know why I said that really gently, but that's what it is. Because <laughs> <laughs> we normally say it the opposite. I usually do Twitter and Instagram and you do email. Yeah, I got thrown off. But stay safe and stay healthy and stay home. Yes. And enjoy some some alcohol and some drinking games. Yeah. Cheers, guys. Cheers.